All right, if we can make our way back to our seats and Henry could, uh, he will be signing autographs and taking pictures and kissing babies after service. So if you didn't get an opportunity to do that, he will be available immediately after service for all those things. But anyways, uh, we'll like to say, uh, along with Clay, happy Mother's Day to all the moms, especially my mom. I'm uh, so thankful to have her uh, here with us this morning as well. But um, how many of you have never met Henry before? You've never met him? Let's see. Quite a few, quite a few. Well, you're in for a special treat. Um, I've known Henry probably for the past 12 to 13 years now and been working together with him uh, on the mission field since 2008. This church has been a major sponsor of church planning uh, in unreached people group areas. You've helped to plant around 50 plus churches in unreached people group areas. And I know that Having never been and only seen pictures, sometimes we, we are, are disconnected from that reality, but uh, we've been there, we've seen them, we've hugged them, we've loved them, we've greeted them on your behalf, and uh, for every penny that you've given toward missions and church planting, uh, it is fruit to your account. I know that we don't do that for the purpose of, uh, of uh, self-glorification or you know, to say that we're doing anything big, but it does take money to spread the gospel. The Bible says, uh, how can they hear or call upon him whom they've never heard? How can uh, they hear if somebody doesn't preach, and how can they preach unless they're sent? And so you've helped to send uh, many, many uh, church planters into areas, and thousands and thousands of people uh, have been saved and brought to know Jesus Christ as a result of that. Amen. One, one more quick thing uh, before I have Henry come. Uh, they just completed the CTC building, which uh, we've been helping, and Henry's been partnering with other ministries to build. And uh, we've helped to build this building in Kampala, which is the capital of Uganda. And uh, since it's been completed, uh, it will ultimately save or it will cost half as much. It saved over 50% of what it would typically cost to, to plant a church because this building is able to come. They're able to come. They're able to stay there, and there's nothing that has to be rented. Uh, everything is made available in this building, and he'll, he may uh, talk a little bit more about that uh, as well as he comes. His wife, Karen, uh, just gave birth to a brand-new baby boy a couple of days before he came over here. And uh, um, I'll let him share that with you. Where's Henry at? You here, Henry? There he is. But I do love this man. I've, like I said, I've known him for 12 to 13 years. He stayed with us for about a year. Um, Henry could have done anything he wanted to do with his life. He's very intelligent. He speaks multiple languages. Uh, he, he can build computers, all this stuff, self-taught. He, he can YouTube, t look at a tutorial, and he do anything. But Henry could have stayed here in the United States and went to medical school, could become a doctor. He could have done anything he wanted to do with his life, live the American dream. But Henry said, I can't stay here when I have people in my own country who's never heard the precious name of Jesus. And I said, you know what? If that man's willing to give up all that's available to him, here to go and reach those people. I'm going to do everything that I can do within my ability to help support him do that. 
Amen. So if you would, won't you stand to your feet? Let's welcome Brother Henry from Uganda, Africa. Praise God. Amen. Praise Jesus. And uh, happy Mother's Day. Amen. All right. I'm privileged to stand before you in the house of God here. Right here, I am at home. I feel at peace when I come here. I'm grateful that God has done so much here and uh, over the seas there. Um, again, I want to celebrate the mothers just for a few minutes, right? I want to celebrate you all because I have so many people here that are dear to me and you have mothered me. You have really been a good mom. Um, you have loved me. as I want to say thank you so much. God has not only given us biological mom, but he has also given us other spiritual wonderful ladies that care enough to to love you and pray for you so mothers we celebrate you and we love you amen amen i don't know where we would be if we didn't really have mothers mothers mean a lot to our lives and as i'm here um um i celebrate my mother in heaven because she gave her life to jesus uh before she gave before she gave up the ghost. So I'm grateful that uh, she's there and uh, she's a happy camper right there in paradise. All right. I want to briefly testify to you what God is doing in Africa. God is really doing so much with our lives. He's using us to reach out to people and uh, he's using you as well to be part of what is happening. Uh, briefly, Pastor has said what God is doing. We have planted more than 50. We have 57 churches, and it all started with a, with a, a number of people here. Uh, Pastor being one of those that believed in me, and he said, um, I'm going to, to support you. I'm going to send you over there. I remember when I first uh, met Pastor Donald, he, he kind of uh, took me in and uh, he adapted me pretty good and uh, he took me in into his family. I stayed with them for quite some time. Uh, I feel like I'm related with uh, the Sims. And as you see, we, when we meet each other, we take photos, we kind of look, look alike. I mean, they love me. <laughs> so um, I'm privileged to, to know them and I really honor him and honor his wife, uh, Rachel. For, for being such a blessing to me. They believed in me, and they, they are the one that said, oh, you want to go and plant churches in South Sudan? And we'll, we'll be with you. We'll support you. And they surely did. We started out way back in 2009, and up to now we have a total of 57 churches. And uh, real people. Amen. Amen. So this church has a special place in our hearts, in our lives. 
and uh, your love and your support is outstanding. You have done an incredible job of fathering the gospel. You have not given up on us. You have been really very good to us. Uh, the concept or the idea of CTC or Community Transformation Center started me coming uh, meeting with Pastor Donald and uh, Brother Rick and they said, okay, we can have a CTC in Uganda and start training pastors. We have trained a number of pastors, many pastors, and it was always hard for us to do it because we were spending so much on rent and all that. But finally, we have been able to have a building and that building is going to be, right now as I talk, we have 42 pastors under training. They are being trained and they are going to have churches planted. Now, when we talk about church planting, you're probably familiar with churches in your neighborhood. In every corner you turn around, there are churches. But I'm talking about people that uh, would be privileged to have at least a church, whether it's under a tree or under something, they will be privileged to have a church. It's not like here, because everywhere you go, you're going to see churches. But I'm talking about people who would walk for miles just to have a place where they can fellowship and worship God. And uh, we, we are reaching out to communities like South Sudan and as well northern Uganda where the war has affected those kind of areas. But by the grace of God, we are determined and we are committed. We are not give, giving up on them. We want to take the gospel to the ends of the world. But you know we can't do it by ourselves. We have to do it with you. And so your prayer is very paramount. Your prayer is needed. Glad to see you, brother. All right, I love you, brother. I mean, I love everybody here. I feel like I know everybody here. Excuse me for fellowshipping a little bit if you're seeing me for the first time. I'm using my few minutes just to, to act as, you know, like a son is supposed to act. Pastor Clay, I mean everyone. I mean everyone. I love you guys. Like Pastor said, after here, I'm going to make sure I, I give you hugs and uh, I'm not going to say no autograph like he said. But you know, when he comes over to Africa, that's what he does. He, 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 he signs autograph. He would have uh, clouds running towards him. And that's the truth. And no lying. Amen? They, they love Pastor Donald. I mean, they, they, they love him. They, he will be all over. Everybody will be around him. All right. Oh, thank you also for praying for me. Uh, we just had baby number four. And, um, and I tell you what, uh, we were inspired. I was inspired by my spiritual father, uh, Pastor Donald. <laughs> and so, we, you know, he's such a great mentor. And so he mentored me well in that area. But I want to say to you, we have closed the factory. We are... <laughs> And uh, we are no longer manufacturing. So, thank you, brother. This is my brother here. He comes to Africa. Um, we, we, Karen, she has done an awesome job. Uh, before us getting the four babies, we, we committed ourselves to look after children. And we had, at one time in our house, we had 32 babies in our house. And we kept them for about five years until we started uh, moving them into uh, what we call like boarding schools and all that. So she's a darling and she's such a wonderful mother. Um, amen. 
All right, now, before I start ministering the message, I want to extend an invitation to all of you. It's my obligation, it's my duty to always invite people to come and say, you're welcome to Uganda, you're welcome to Africa. Uh, there's so much to do for the Lord there. So we'll be happy to have you. You won't be eaten up by lions or anything like that. Brother Alan will tell you he's been there a couple of times and he's... He comes back safe, amen? Uh, there's a gentleman, I think he's a doctor. He came from somewhere in Barberville. I met him and he's planning also to come. I'm grateful to... You here, brother? All right. Thank you. Thank you for... Okay. The Lord is good all the time, amen? He's good. I have the joy of the Lord. I don't know about it, but I have the joy of the Lord. And thank you for the worship. Oh, Lord, it was awesome. Let's give thanks to God before we, 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 uh, we bring forth the word. Father, we are grateful for this house. This house is full of life. And the reason is because you're here. And we acknowledge that uh, you are here, oh God. You said where two or three come together, you always be there. And Lord, we know for sure you're here. So we want to dine from you. We know you have baked something good for us, so we want to take it. May you encourage us. May you, Lord, um, empower us. May you lift us from where we are and take us to where you want us to be by the word we are going to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Uh, let's uh, go in the Bible. We want to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 20. Um, no. Is it chapter 20 or chapter 7, verse? We'll, we'll read chapter 20. We want to read Matthew chapter 20 from verse 1. If we can have it up here, it will be great. If not, we'll just go ahead and read. Okay, um, I'm a little bit slow opening mine, but if we have it up there, we'll be good. All right, I'm going to read from verse 1. It's, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early, in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit again and I'm asking you to follow me closely uh, because. It is necessary. Don't miss out anything by way of my Ugandan accent. And I always make it clear that as I'm speaking to you here in America, um, when you miss out one of the flays of something I'm saying and doesn't make sense to you, don't hesitate to ask. Um, I want you to get every word I'm saying. Amen? Yeah, the same thing happened to Pastor Donald when he comes there. Sometimes... Uh, his Kentucky language is totally different from the British. 
So I want, I'm asking that he helps me and Alan helps me, all right? Are we together? Okay. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle. I want you to note the word idle in the marketplace. And say to them, you also go in the vineyard and whatever is right, I want you, I want, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. Idol. The word idol comes again. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idol all day? They said to him, verse 7, because no one hired us. They said unto him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. Now, the story continues, I'll paraphrase, the story continues that at the time of payment, he came, and when he was paying, um, some guys were offended because they said, how can you give the same amount to those who came at the 11th hour, and for us, we came earlier. But he said it was my decision to, to do that. I want to speak to you this morning about uh, empowerment. Everyone say empowerment. Empowerment, yes. You're going to help me. I love that very much when I have a participating congregation. Please don't shy. Don't be. Don't be. Um, you're just your brother from Africa, right? Brother from another mother. Amen? <laughs> All right. But, but, but same father. Hallelujah. So God... Uh, put this message on my heart about empowerment. First of all, I want to use this message in two ways. First of all, I want to say I'm grateful for this church. I'm using it as a testimony that this church, many years ago, took interest in me, or some few individual pastor here, they took interest in me and empowered me to go to Africa. Now, this story talks about people that were not doing anything. They were idle. They were, the Bible doesn't say that they were lazy. The Bible doesn't actually say that they had nothing really to do. Somehow, somewhere, they were not employed. They were standing. I mean, they were waiting for something to happen. And he comes and he says, what are you doing? When I think of that, I'm reminded of what I see in Africa because we have a very poor economy and we have so many, you know, when it comes to uh, the level of unemployment in Uganda, it's quite very overwhelming. You really don't want to know. It is very bad, very bad. Uh, um, many people are not working or they, they don't really have something to do. And one of the reasons is because we have uh, some corrupt leaders there. We have actually... Uh, my president, um, respect, I respect him, but he's been in power for over 30 some years, but 32 years, and he thinks that he's a, he's a king. I mean, he, he's, um, he's going to be president until he wants to die. I mean, uh, the, we have some kind of leaders like that in Africa, and corruption is such a big thing there. So it lenders majority of people uh, without job, without anything to do. 
But I want to talk about those individuals in the kingdom of God who are supposed to be laborers in the vineyard, but they are not doing anything. And so Jesus, uh, in this kind of story, he's teaching us about what happens when you come and not people who are idolers or people who would have been doing something significant or contributing something, but they cannot do it because nobody is there to empower them. Or the word here actually, which is used to hire, they gave a good excuse. They said we... They, they didn't say that we are lazy or we cannot do anything or, we, you know, we are weak. They did not give such an excuse. Their excuse was very simple. They said, because nobody has hired us. The word hiring there is, it, it actually can mean a lot of stuff. It can mean uh, giving them ability, giving, giving them a job, giving them something to do. I want to you to call that empowerment. In other words, they are saying we would have done something significant, but nobody has empowered us. No one has empowered us. And we want to look very carefully what can happen if someone cares enough to empower somebody. And I want to, like how I'm always, you know, proud of you and speak well of you for empowering those pastors that we are training constantly to go and reach the, the other, uh, other tribes. You see, it is not because Africans really don't want to evangelize or they don't want to go to the ends of the world or they don't want to reach their own. But the, one of the big problems I've always found is that nobody's there to empower them. Sometimes empowering an African pastor with just a small, like a motorcycle or maybe a small bicycle can further the gospel. But I want to say thank you so much for those that have cared enough to empower us. Amen? So that's the first part I want to talk about. Now, I want to say this, that God hates idleness. I, huh? Is that the right word? Oh, we can use the word like dormant, when someone is dormant. In the book of Proverbs, you're going to find many scriptures talking about sluggish, sluggishness and laziness and all that kind of stuff. God really has no business with someone who decides to be lazy. Because he's a worker. When Jesus was here, he said, my father in heaven is working and I'm also working. So God... This, uh, he loves, actually he rejoices in those people who say, I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God. You see, in the kingdom of God, we all participate. In the kingdom of God, we all have a part and a portion. We all have something to do in the kingdom of God. And so today, this morning, I'm bringing a message of a little bit of a challenge, but also a message of encouragement that if you are a child of God, there is so much for you to accomplish or so much to do in the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, a word idol, the word idol, I'm going to, to define it. Or you, you actually know I don't really have to go so much into definition of what idleness means. But it, it has to do with the state of being in hibernation. You know, here the word hibernation is very familiar with you because you know what it means to hibernate. Uh, or a state of laziness, a state of nothing moving, a state of no change. Like... 
I am living like I was and forever and forever it will be. I'm not going to change nothing. So I'm imagining these wonderful people. They were there, but nothing was changing in their community. Nothing. Okay, if they were uh, fathers, there was no bread at home because they were not employed. They were not devolved. They were underdeveloped. Their potential was not being put to use. Nothing was changing. And I live to see change in my life. Amen? And I want to see change just like the same way you want to see. How many of you want to see change everywhere you are? Of course, but I want to talk about change a little bit. You see, change is inevitable. You cannot resist it. You can't stop change. Change will happen anyway, right? But there's one number one thing that people fear in our lives. They fear change. Change is feared. I want you to try it. Come here and tell people that we're going to change the way we pray. We're moving. We are shifting the platform over there. And we want you to, to face there. And they will say, why? I mean, change is actually feared. People fear change. Are you following me? But change, as much as it's feared, it has to happen anyway. Because How many of you have been, uh, you added on a year this year. You, 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 you celebrated a birthday. Did you? How many of you? Of course, everybody, right? You added on a day, yeah? You are one day older than yesterday, right? So if you have added on a year or a day or a month, it means you're changing. Amen? Hallelujah. So change has to happen anyway, whether you like it or not. We've been changing. I remember I was a little tiny boy when I got married and it all changed. Now I have some kind of you as Pastor Donald, I could be blown away by the wind when I was just, when I left here. I don't know that I was feeding bad here in Kentucky, but as soon as I got married, everything changed. I could not resist change. Change will happen. And I want to give you a few things about change because change has to happen anyway. Amen? A few things that will change about your life. One, your relationship is going to change. I mean, you'll change. Your body will also change. Do you agree? Look at your neighbor. Yes, your body is going to change. I'm grateful. Some bodies change for good. Others change for... But you know, your relationship change. I mean, the people you used to know in the high school, you can't, you, you can't find them no more, right? Change is going to happen. But we kind of resist it. Even in the kingdom of God, change is supposed to happen. The only thing which doesn't change is God. Everyone say, he doesn't change. He is the same. The Bible says yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. God does not need to improve anything on himself. He doesn't get better or stronger. He is ever the strongest, the omnipotent and powerful God. He does not. In fact, the Bible never refers to God as an anchor. But he, he, because you know an anchor, you know the anchor? Yes, he's never referred to as an anchor. He ref, he's always referred to as the rock of ages. Because he changes none. Amen? So, if you're not in a neighborhood of God and you're not God, then you change. And so, change is ne needed. Change is needed. And so, these people were not experiencing no change in their lives until someone cared enough and came to them and brought a change in their lives. I pray that God will help us to note those people that need a shift in their lives and so that we can empower them or give them ability to do something better. Hallelujah. 
Are we together? I say people don't want change. And uh, they will do anything to resist it. But there are those that really don't want change. As much as the opportunity is available to them, but they will resist it. You understand? Some people will just resist it. Even when the opportunity is given to them. But in this story we just read, these men, they are, they are not giving no excuse. They are willing to change their lives for better. They are willing to see that they are contributing something for this master or for this landowner. And so, they are accepting is something for us to run, to, to, to learn from. So, I want to talk about their laziness, first of all, or their idleness. The state of being no employed, or the state of being uh, with nothing moving. And I want, by doing that, I'm going to talk about our doing nothing in the kingdom of God. Our doing nothing in the kingdom of God is one of the most dangerous things in our lives. You see, child of God, you came to Christ and you did not come to Christ and got stuck like nothing should move. You see, the reason why you're not, you are not dead today is because God has so much plans and so much ideas and thoughts for you to do. Amen? If he wanted you dead, you would be in heaven right now. But he left you here. You got saved and you're still here. And one of the dangerous things for us uh, children of God is to live without ever realize why am I here for and what is my purpose? What, is, what can I do in the kingdom of God? What can I contribute? See, if it's all we have to do is to enjoy, I mean, go to job and make money and my, maybe build a house, a bigger house, and then buy a boat and then enjoy life uh, on the beach and all that stuff and go to Florida. I mean, if life is all about, then we are not living. Are you following me? Because life is more than that. I want to speak to you that there is so much we can do for the kingdom of God right where we are, in our home, in our families, even in the church. And so that's the kind of message I want to, uh, to bring to you. When you accept that I, I am able, I have found myself, I can do something, then you will stand in wait and say, Lord, here I am. I remember answering the call of God for my life when I was about 15 years. It's many years ago now. I'm, I'm an old man. Uh, yeah, I'm not as old as you, but I'm really old. Amen? But I accepted the call of God at the age of 15, right in the ghetto place of Kamoche in Uganda there. And I knew God was, wanted me to add something, add some meaning. Mine was probably different from yours, but everyone has a special calling on their lives. I started evangelizing house-to-house -house evangelism at the age of 15. And today, as I'm speaking to you, some of those people I led to the Lord, they are pastors. Amen? So we can all stay occupied or we can be useful. But also, there is a part where other people have to identify us. Some people just need to be found. They just need to be uh, discovered and noticed. Because each one of you, each one of us has that ability. So, the state of being idle or dormant is not good at all. It is the state of being unemployed. It's a state of being inactive and developed. 
God has never created no failure. He never created no empty person. None of us came in this world empty. Say amen. You came with something. When God was making you, when he had you in mind, he purposed very well. And he put everything in you that will help you be useful here. And you see, when you don't do that, the reason why he created you, if you don't perform according to his expectation, you make him a failure. You see, God is not a failure. And he designed you for success. He designed you for, for greatness. He designed you to, to succeed. You are not a failure. I want to say it over and over so that it gets in your head. God never designed no failure here. And some people, uh, they feel a little bit special than others, but each one in their capacity has so much ability endured in them, so much ability in them. And if we can find them, if we can identify you and then help you, you know, employ you or develop you or empower you, then the sky will be the limit. We'll be able to change the world for Christ. Amen. So God will always look out for what is inside you. Because he created you and he put it there. When we were babies, when we were growing up, we used to have childhood kind of dreams. Some of you, you dreamt so much stuff. Like if they ask you when you were young, what do you want to be? Some of you profess to be missionaries. You kind of said, I'll be a doctor, I'll be this. But along the way, there is a way the environment around us kind of uh, bring us to of no effect. Because the environment around us sometimes will deny us the opportunity. The words sometimes we hear from the people we are growing up with will always discourage us and will never mount up to what we are supposed to be. But I feel in this house that there is hope, just like this seat of hope, church. Amen? I feel that in this house there is hope because you're not yet dead. And the ability inside you is still there. There is so much ability in each child of God. And I'm here to say I believe in you 110%. I believe you are vibrant, you are dynamite, you are bomb. You're about to pass, amen? If you only discover, if we only come to exactly the reason why you were created. Amen. So everybody say potential. Potential is in everything that is created. From the very little tiny seed. You see, when you look at a seed and you call it just a seed and leave it hanging somewhere there, you have not exhausted the the, the power of the seed. Because in just a little seed, you may have a forest, right? In a small seed, you can have a forest. When God created you, he gave you that ability. Ability and potential. I'm using those words interchangeably, but I mean the same thing. And so, the master, the landowner, he was able to observe and see, I see potential in these people. There is potential in them. And I'm going to give them something to do. And God has been calling. And he calls every now and then. Because he calls out that potential. You see, you, make, you bring glory. What is glory? Glory is not actually what happens in the church. Sometimes good churches will have things like this. Um, you, you, you may have smoke. I used to think when I was growing up that when a church has smoke coming up, through worship and red lights and, and you see that kind of cloud thing. 
to me there was glory. Oh, hallelujah, glory. I mean, I used to think glory is when the, horizon, the sun is setting or some of you think like me, you know, the clouds. Are like, oh, glory. But no, glory is the manifestation, the true manifestation of that thing, whatever thing it is. Think about a flower. A flower, you know flower? Yes, you know flower. When the flower blossoms, when the flower comes out and, uh, it, you know, it opens up, that is its glory. Because it shows you that this is who I am. I believe there is so much glory inside you, but we haven't really seen it. Amen? There is a glory. It, the glory of something is when it comes in full, its full manifestation. Some of you, we haven't seen you. We really don't know who you are. We haven't known the true thing that you're supposed to be. We believe there is a glory of God to be manifested, but we haven't witnessed it. Because somehow, somewhere, you, you may be thinking inferior or unable to perform, or you feel like you're not given an opportunity. But I bring a little challenge this morning. Amen? So let me talk about potential. What is potential? Potential is dormant ability. Potential is something that you're supposed to be, but you have not been. Something that you're supposed, you know, let me put it this way. Potential, it, it could be the songs uh, that you're supposed to sing, but we have not had those songs, right? So potential is not something we have already done. It's something which have, we have not performed. So, you see, what I've done in my life, it is no longer potential. That is done. It's gone. But what I haven't done, me, in me, inside me, I feel like there are so many hundreds and thousands and millions of people that have to hear Jesus. And I have to go for that because it's there. It's there. I feel that potential. As long as I'm breathing, I, as long as I'm walking, I believe I have what it takes to reach them. And I believe that's my potential. You also, you have the potential. You, 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 some of you, 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 are, you could be good book writers, you know, authors. But we haven't seen your books. So each one of us, there is potential hidden inside there. And I'm here to invoke it or call it out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because God created you. He designed you for, 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 you know, for greater things. I said earlier alone that nobody uh, came here as a failure. And God never created no failure. And nobody came on the world empty. All of us, we came loaded with some good stuff. And it's my prayer, uh, seed of hope, it is my cry that we find where we belong and what we can do in the kingdom of God. I'm not preaching a message of work, work, work and do, do, do. But I'm preaching a message to stir you up so you can be significant because that's your life. Your life is meaningful. If you never heard anybody tell you that, that's who you are. We're not all called to stand behind a podium, but there is something significant in our lives. Hallelujah. Some people are just good at smiling. And when you smile, the world becomes alive. Amen? I mean, this guy over here, Follis, he make me feel like, great. I mean, he kind of like, oh, brother Henry. He kind of Blushes when he says, I don't know why. He loves me. <laughs> and, he, and that blesses my heart. Praise God. And so each one of us has potential. 
We want to call that thing that is sleeping in you. We want to give it a job. We want to employ it. We want to employ that. And I want to give you a few things what you have to do to discover who you really are. How are we going to find who we are? We're going to go to God who made us. We, we, if we want to find our true identity and where we're coming from, we're looking at our maker. Because we have been looking at a different people. And all we have heard for years is probably not helping. People have told us what we cannot do. But you can't tell us what we can do. Amen? Sometimes if you want to know the power, the potential of something, you don't ask the seller. You don't ask the, you know, you go and uh, you go to one of the, for instance, you go to Walmart and uh, you, you, you buy a TV. And you buy a TV or maybe a laptop and uh, you go to the counter and ask the, the one cashier. You, you're helping me, sister. Thank you. So you ask the cashier and say, oh, tell me a little bit. How does this thing work? You, you may, you're wasting your time because that person doesn't have a crew. So you go to the one who made it, the manufacturer, right? The one, actually, in most cases, when, when, they, when, when they sell stuff to us, new stuff, they usually put, uh, they call it a menu. Is that a menu? And it, usually that menu will say that, don't use me before you read me. How many of you read it? Don't ashamed yourself. Okay, some of you, you do. But most of the time, you don't actually care to read it, right? You know why? Because you think you're smart. And you go home and you mess up that gadget. Some of you, you are burned. You, so you, bought, you bought an iron, and you call it an iron what? That gadget, the, what iron is closed? An iron, whatever it is. And you really didn't care where to put it. You ended up putting it everywhere because you never read. You see, the, oper uh, the one who made it says, don't put it near water. For you, you're like, yeah. And it shook you. What happened? And some of you, uh, I remember a long time ago, Pastor Donald, he was preaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the example of a, a man who bought a fridge and handed, put the fridge there and never read anything. He just put it there. And he put his fish fish there. And he uh, come back, it is mailing and all that stuff. And he was complaining, picked up the phone, called the, the, the seller. You sold me something which is not working. And was like, did you check collectively? Did you read the manual? Did you? I mean, some people never get to read nothing. Are you following me? By the way, let me put it this way. The key to life or to freedom is knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. Knowledge is very powerful. And you know, the deadly thing that can happen to us is ignorance. Ignorance stinks and is really very bad. In fact, you, when you come in a neighborhood of God and you are ignorant, God says, because you have refused to get knowledge, I refuse you to be my, my priest. So the Bible says my people are perishing because lack of knowledge. Knowledge is necessary. Some of us, we, all we need is just read that little thing, the manual. So the manufacturer, he makes it and gives you the instruction how it should operate. You see, it doesn't matter how smart you think you are. Some of you have good phones, iPhone, and all the only thing you do on that iPhone is place the call and stop. And other functions and applications, you really have no clue because you don't want to read. But I'm not against you. That is your gadget. Praise the Lord. 
So the thing is that seeking knowledge and finding knowledge of some knowledge is really good. So if we want to know you, we're going to go to your maker, your manufacturer. Amen. He put the whole Bible there. The, the, the manual there is there to tell you who you are and your potential. And all you care about is getting people's opinion. But the only opinion that matters is what God says about you. And what God says about me, it is what counts. He says I'm handsome. Woo! Praise God. I mean, he says I am fearfully and wonderful made. I am fearfully. The word fearfully is so good. Like when he was making me, I'm imagining the angels were there and it was like, what? I mean, everything he was making about me, actually it is written there in the Bible. Psalm 139, right? He says, I am fearfully and wonderful made. Fearfully, as if that's not enough. Wonder. I'm a wonder. Tell your neighbor you're a wonder. He doesn't believe it. Say it again. You're a wonder. I mean, you look at, huh? you look at this guy here and say, what? A wonder. And that's who we are. He created me for wonderful things. Amen? I'm fearfully and wonderfully marvelous. You know, that's, that's how the maker made me. He did not make me to be a failure. I'm a wonder. Hallelujah. Are we together? Just wave to me if you're there. All right. Okay. I said he made us wonderfully. He made us in his... The maker took his time. He cared so much how we're going to look like. You know, people make fun of our looks sometimes. But it doesn't matter. Because, you know, everything about me, my eyes here, little small Chinese eyes, are, you know, they are proportioned to my destiny and my purpose. I'm so grateful for my little eyes. I mean, my height, my weight, my everything... It is proportioned to my destiny and my purpose. Amen? And it doesn't matter what people say about me. I, uh, I feel contented. My nose is proportioned to my destiny. Hallelujah. But when we are growing up, the people around us, they try to distort the image, who we are. They have no idea. And so by doing that, our potential is squandered, uh, like squeezed. And so they keep on shrinking us by the way they communicate to us. They have told us what we cannot do. Thank God for the mothers. Your mother believed in you. And she fed you well. That's why you're here. I've lived in Africa and seen some mothers who would dump their babies in garbage. Hallelujah. They dump them because, you know, they, they think they are of no use. We, we, we hear words every now and then. And these words, they kind of press us down, put us down. But I'm here to remind you what your father in heaven thinks about you. And he thinks you're great and you're awesome. And he thinks that you have the potential to make things happen. And that potential should never be stepped on. The opinion of people does not matter. What people think about you, it doesn't matter. It is what heaven says about you. And once we discover our potential, once we know that we are made in the image of God, once we know that he created us to be useful and not just survive, not just live, then we can mount up to something. Some, of people, some people, they live up to die and have never used their potential. 
never contributed anything to the community or to the neighborhood or to the people around them. But that should not be your portion. That should not be our portion as the children of God. You see, heaven is looking at us and heaven is ready to back us so that we do great things for the Lord. Like I say, you're not too young for greatness, so you're not too old to do something significant. You are a child of God and very significant. We just have to find ourselves, amen? God created us and he destined us. The Bible says in, in Jeremiah, we know that verse is very awesome. It says he has great plan for our lives. And I believe that. He has great plan for us. There is also a verse, I want to read it to you. In Isaiah 46, I want to read that verse. Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10. It says, God says that, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no like me, none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what it, it is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God's purpose will stand. You see, he actually says that he is the one that uh, I, make the, I make known the end from the beginning. The other version says that God sets the end from the beginning. You see, when God had you in mind, child of God, when he thought of you, he did, he, he, he said everything that you're supposed to do at the end. What, what he does is like, God will finish you, and then he comes and say, now you can be born. So you're a finished product. God finished you. But it will be so embarrassing and shaming for you to live in this world without you accomplishing what he wants you to do. That is one of the dangerous things. He wants you empowered. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it's necessary for me to go because if I don't go, you will not have him. I mean, I love the Holy Spirit more than anything because he is my helper. In fact, the word helper is necessary for us to talk about it right now. Because the word helper is as well used to the women. You know, when God was giving Adam a woman, God said, here is a helper. Amen? Do we have helpers here? Thank God for the mothers and the women here. Helpers. Hallelujah. You see, I'm speaking to you men briefly that God gave us helper. I'm grateful for my wife. I don't know where I would have, where I would be without my wife. She's such a great helper. You see, sometimes these wonderful helpers need to be recognized. Amen? But the problem with us, the men, I'm talking to the men. Men, we have a big issue. We have helpers, but helpers come and they ask, what can I help you with? And we are not willing to say, help me with this. If you are such a man who never asks for help from a woman, or you're kind of a man who does everything for yourself, like you, are, you, you, you don't really care about, uh, you, you think she really she doesn't have to know anything, you are losing so much. Some of us, we, we would be so powerful if we took notes of our help that God has given us. Amen? I'm just bringing it as a by the way, but it's necessary to know that God has given you a helper. Amen? A helper. You see, women, they are all loaded. When God was making them, actually the Bible uses the word, he fashioned them. When God was fashioning a woman, he built in her everything necessary to make things work. 
She has intuition. She knows they, 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 are, they are naturals. You know, women have more tears than us men. I don't remember seeing Pastor Donald cry. I mean, it's very hard for me to see him cry. But I see women cry every now and then. I'm speaking and they are crying. It's so much love in them. So much, so much love and nurturing. Woo, thank God for the mother. They care. God put everything. God built all the possibility, all whatever we need as the men, and put it in her. She's a nurturer. She cries a lot because she loves so much. She's a helper. Amen? And I want to give you a tip for men that are listening to me. When you're stuck somewhere, just ask for help. Women all around the world, they want to be asked. Say, can you help me here? Oh, Hannah, I will do it. Oh, praise the Lord. But you know, okay, I'm going back to the Holy Spirit as I'm winding up. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The word helper is used to the woman, but also used to the Holy Spirit. He's there to help you. But you know, he's not only going, to, he won't help you unless you have something to do. You got to have a plan. You have to have a vision. Some of us, we lost our vision. We lost what we are. We, we, we really just wonder. We don't know what am I supposed to do. So when you ask God, have you ever asked God and said, Lord, help me? When you ask him to help you, he kind of asks, I help you to do what? So that's why we really have to know what is my assignment? What am I here to do? What is my responsibility? So God, he created you. And he destined you. And he says that his purpose will be fulfilled. And I have one more verse here. Uh, maybe one or two. He says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. I'll read that quickly. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. He predestined. He, pre he thought you. He, he thought about you. Like, it was not the will of your mama and daddy, right? Some of you, we think it was your mama's will and your father that they, they thought about bringing you in the world. But God thought about you. Hallelujah. He thought about me. Me, I'm a rather 12th child of my mother. She was a faithful woman. She had an 11 baby and with one faithful man. And thank God, don't, don't hate me for using this word. Thank God. That man died. He died after 11 children. And uh, if she stopped right on 11, you have no preacher today. <laughs> so when that man died, then she found my father. Oh, my father found her. I don't know. I wasn't there. And my father happened to have seven babies. Uh, he had given up on seven. And uh, finally, the Lord's plan was fulfilled. They had to meet, and here comes this black man here. But the thing is, I, I think about it always, that it was not my father's will. It was not my daddy's intention or my mother's intention, but it was God's plan. Tell your neighbor it was God's plan for you to be here. I mean, he set you up. I don't know how some of you met. Some of you have you brought children in this world. I don't know where you met. I don't know. You met somewhere. Maybe in the car or in the wedlock or outlook, overlook. I mean, everywhere. But you met and you brought that baby. And that baby has a purpose. And that purpose will be fulfilled according to the Bible here. Because God has destined you for 
that purpose. Amen? And I want to say this, and I'm about to close if you want to come to the music, but I want to say this, that I'm not speaking to you like you really don't know what to do. I know you have assignment. You have responsibility. And you know God has really called you. But I'm bringing an awake. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding you, a reminder of finding yourself and uh, find some meaning, find some purpose for your life and start fulfilling that. Because you, you just don't want to exist. You just don't want to live. Amen? You, you, you're not just to live. You're not there to enjoy life and pursue what we call the American dream. No. There is so much beyond the American dream. And that's the life of significance. But life of significance needs to be empowered. And some of us, we need to go and seek God and find out, you created me for what, Lord? What's the reason why I was created? I'm here to do what? Things like that. Those kind of questions are really very good. And God will reveal to you what you're supposed to do. And he will empower you. Hallelujah. Because we ought to be there working for the Lord. The vineyard of the Lord is not a specific place that Manchester City of Hope, but there is so much. The field, you know, the field of God is huge in the marketplace where you're working, at your place of work. You, you, you have responsibility. You, you, you can do something there. Are you following me? I'm just stirring you up again to see the world beyond the normal. Well, I don't feel like I'm called to do this and that. But you are called to add some meaning. Amen? And you created... Uh, there is another verse here also. Isaiah 48, 11. I'm going to read it. Um, God will not want anybody to fail. I said it over and over. And one of the reasons he doesn't want you to fail because you have... You are created in his image. Say, the image of God. I'm created in the image of God. Amen. Now, I have been thinking about the image of God, and uh, this came to my mind, what it means to be created in the image of God. The word image is very, very important. The word image sometimes is used uh, for, for every company. Companies, they have their image. Uh, City of Hope has a logo, that's their image and uh, sometimes image stand for like a character image stand for reputation image stand for anything uh, I hold an apple here thank God for this apple uh, phone but apple cares about their image pretty much, how many of you know that they care about their image see if you you know some years ago they were fighting with Samsung over uh, some kind of application and all that stuff. See, they care, companies, they care about their image. And they will do whatever they can do to protect their image. So I was thinking about me being created in the image of God, and I started thinking that uh, if I'm created in the image of God, so God cares about his image. Are you following me? When I say he cares about his image, he wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed. He doesn't want his image to fail. And if you're created in his image, he will do whatever it is to protect his image. The verse I was saying, Isaiah 48, 11 says, For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profound? Pro, huh? Profound. He says, my glory I will not give to another. That verse I was reading about... Uh, God is 
image and his reputation. Reputation. God cares so much about his image, his reputation, that he would do whatever it takes. You see, the Bible talks about Israel being so ruthful, being evil, being wicked. They actually forsook, uh, left God. They, they forgot the God who brought them from Israel. He talks about, God says in the, in, um, in, in the book of in the book of Psalm, I think Psalm 106, it talks about how he brought them from Israel and they reached in the desert and forgot him. They actually started asking, can God provide bread in the desert? Can God really take care of us? Adi alone, uh, Pastor Clay, he was talking about how he brought them from, from Egypt and none of them was feeble. He was there to take care of them and he kept providing for them. None of them was feeble. Their clothes would never wore out. I mean, they were cared for day and night. He kept on providing. There was always uh, provision and protection. He protected them day and night. You remember, the age of God was always there. When they needed water, he would give them water. When, when they needed uh, food, he provided constant manna from heaven. I mean, he was always there watching over them. But then... They rebelled and sinned against them. And God at one time, he felt like, I want to destroy them. He came to Moses and said, I want to, I want, to, I can wrap them off. I can destroy them. Of course, Moses stood and said, Lord, why would you do that? If you want to kill them, kill me first. You remember that story. But, the, but this is what happened. God says, even if you're stiff-necked, like you are hard people. You are hard to, to you know, to, to stay with you. Such a difficult people. But he says, I'll heal you. I'll deliver you. And he gives the reason why he's going to do it. And he says, I'll do it for my name's sake. And that means for my image's sake, for my reputation. The reputation of God does not make him a failure. And he doesn't want to fail you. If you're going to fail, you're going to fail yourself. But he's not willing to give up on you, child of God. And some of you, you have been running away from him for years and for years. He calls you. He says, I want you. I love you. But you're kind of like, I'm running away from you. He's not the one giving up on you. He says, I'll wait for you. Are you following me? You know why? Because he cares about his reputation. He cares about his image. The word reputation is the same word for namesake, for his name's sake. For his name's sake, and I've learned something lately that has actually improved my prayer life. This has improved my prayer life. You want to know what it is? When I pray, I, I'm not praying and say, God, heal me for myself. Oh, God, deliver me for myself. But when I say, God, for your name's sake, heal me. He immediately heals me. And I'm here to say to you that he will do whatever it takes for you to fulfill your calling for his name's sake. For his name's sake, he's not going to fail you. If you're sick in your body today, I want to say to you that he's going to heal you because he doesn't want you. Sickness does not bring glory to God. Are you following me? If some of you are giving up on yourself or you're giving up on, on, on this sickness that came and uh, I mean what, does God get glory in my sickness? If God doesn't get glory out of your sickness then that is not your portion. 
But I'm saying this to you, hear me. For his name is sake, he will heal you today, not tomorrow. Are you following me? And whatever thing that has been rendering you powerless or impotent, for his name is sake, he's going to empower you today. He says in Psalm 106, 7 to 8, he says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. Of all the wonders I've talked about, they did not understand it. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. In verse 8, nevertheless, he saved them for his name is sake, that he may make his mighty power known or his glory known. God wants to manifest his glory in our days, in our lives, but he's looking for people who are saying, I want to use everything in me for your name is sake. I want to be useful, oh God. Lord, just give me one more day so I can serve you. I want to be productive. If today was your last day on earth, what reason would you give God to stay here longer? You see, when you have a vision, you don't perish. The Bible says without a vision, people what? Do you have a vision for tomorrow? Do you see yourself? Do, what are you doing in the next five years? It can pass just like it did. Last year we had Mother's Day here and it's going to come again and nothing. Some of you will change. God forbid. I want to see you and hear praise report. It is possible, child of God. It is possible for you to add meaning to your life. It is possible to add meaning to this congregation. Sometimes all you can do is just invite somebody in this church. Hallelujah. I want us to reach out to him because he's here. If you can stand up for a moment, I want us to take a moment and recognize that he's here. And the word I have for you, or I had for you today, is empowerment. I believe he wants to empower you. And I strongly believe for someone who came here and have no crew, your, your life is purposeless, you have no purpose, you just live, you, you kind of, uh, uh, you're in a state of dormancy, a state of not going nowhere, a state of, um, you, you, you're not reaching out to anything. You have given up on yourself, you've given up on your body, you, 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 you abuse, okay, let me put it this way, I, I put it this way, like, when the purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. You abuse your life, you abuse your time, you abuse the people around you, you abuse anything, you have no respect for anything because you have lost meaning and purpose. But I want to speak to you. He is here to give you purpose. And he's strongly speaking to me that he will turn your life around and he will make you stand on him because he's the rock and he changes not. Okay, he speaks to me and he says that those who look at him, they are radiant and they will never be put to a shame. Those who look at him, they are radiant. I want you to look at him right now. If you have been forsaking him, pursuing your own other dreams and you're not paying attention to him, I want you to look at him. Look at the cross of Jesus. I want you to look at him and be saved. Isaiah says that, look at me ends of the world and be you saved I want you to look at him he says those who look up to me 
they are radiant and they will never be put to a shame. He's not about to ashamed you. You are not about to be ashamed. You, you're not going to be ashamed. I want you to look at him. And have all the guts. I have all the prerogative. I have all the, the power in me to tell you this. That he is about to do something significant in somebody's life. Because he cares about you. He wants you to be significant. He wants you to change the world. He wants you to represent him well. You bring him the glory. You, when, when people look at you, they give God the glory. When they look at your life, when look at what you do, they bring him glory. If you want to reach out to him in a second, or if you want to come to the altar and just resurrender your life, or you want to give him totally your life, or if you want to reach out to him and say, God, help me discover who I am. Help me discover what I'm supposed to do. God, empower me if you've been doing something, but you need some kind of charging, igniting. I want you to run to the altar and just reach out because I know the power of God is in this house right now to encourage you, to empower you, to lift you, so you can do exploits for the Bible says, those who know their God, they will be powerful. Not only will they be powerful, but they are going to do exploits. And God is watching you. He's looking at you. He has interest in you. I'm telling you, God has not lost, lost interest in you. You have not gone too far that his love won't reach you. Let's take a moment before God right now. If you can come, you can come. But I want, I want you to know that his presence is here. 